0: Hey, I'm Lead Pastor Noel Peekras and welcome to the Exeter Valley Church Podcast. Our church plant started in 2021 with the goal of seeing God's kingdom extended in our hometown. If you're curious about Jesus, looking for a home in the family of God, or feel called to be a part of a kingdom expansion in Exeter, California, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. in the Veterans Memorial Building at 324 North Kaweah Avenue. For more information, head on over to www.exetervalleychurch.com or find us on social media. Thanks for listening.
1: All right. Good morning, Exeter Valley Church. Good morning. Last week was Super Bowl Sunday. For those of you who don't know, I'm a big uh, 49ers fan, and the day began... Um, I was very happy, hopeful, excited, um, confident. The day ended very different uh, for me, anyway. Um, I was grieving. <laughs> I mean, I, I felt like I had been gutted. My heart been ripped out of my chest. And some of you are listening to this and you're like, It's a freaking football game, guys. (laughs) Michael, it's a football game. Some of you are listening to this like, yeah, I can relate. I know exactly how you're feeling. Um, But it was brutal. It was a brutal loss. um, And a second time in four years. And and I was grieving. And I knew I was going to be preaching on this uh, passage um next week and it already begun studying and I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can learn how to grieve uh, through this. And um Jesus does do a great job of modeling um yeah. prayer and and some things and we're gonna get into that. But mostly I wanna say that this is not that. The grieving that I was dealing with, not only was it just because it just it was trivial as a football game, I wasn't really invested Financially, apparently, emotionally, I was, but why? Who 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 knows? But, um, but what Christ was uh, beginning to go through, and what he was about to go through, um, is quite a bit different in a lot of ways. So, I want to start with a question: uh, Why was Jesus suffering in the garden? what What do you think happened? What's going on here? Uh, Why was he suffering to the point that he wanted to die? I mean, it says here, And he began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. So what is going on? Um, And let me ask you another question. Did Jesus die well? I mean, think about this for a minute. Um, I can think of several examples of Christian martyrs, of Jesus' followers, um, knowing they're going to die, dying um, for being Christians, and then doing it very well. I don't, I'm sure there are stories where people are, uh, you know, martyrs are grieved, but there are so many stories of martyrs going to horrific deaths peacefully. Um, being in the presence of God, I mean, um the the first example that comes to mind is the stoning of Stephen in the book of Acts. Um, a horrific death, but like he preaches this phenomenal sermon, He saves people. Um, he sees like heaven opened up. It's a peaceful, amazing um experience for him. Not so. With Jesus. Not so with Jesus. Why? Why? I mean, this is the culmination of his ministry. This is the purpose of him coming to earth. This is like, this is like the Super Bowl for him. Like he's, this is it. And this is right before the big game. And he's, on the ground, crying. In Luke it says he's he's sweating tears of blood in deep agony, struggling. Um, and he's asking God, take this away. I don't wanna do this. Yeah. Take this cup away. What's going on? How come so many of Jesus' followers, we have so many stories and examples of them uh, dealing with this better than Christ. We have a. Yes, exactly. We have the answer here. He took our sins. He took our sins and our pain on on himself. So. Um, and that that is the answer. My sermon's over. We can just. Yeah, we can go home now. We can go home now. But OK, it talks about the cup. He talks about the cup three times. He says, "Take this cup from me. Not my will, but your will be done. Is it possible to take this cup from me, God? Father, please, take this cup from me." And again, take this cup from me." So what, what is the cup? And this is the key um, to the passage here. So the cup, many times um, in ancient literature, the cup is used to show suffering, pain, anguish. Um, and think of it, um, probably the most famous example of someone being executed with a cup of poison is Socrates. but he's they, this was a common form of execution. In the ancient world, they people would drink a cup of poison. And it would literally just like melt their insides. Um, it's a horrific death. Um, so the cup oftentimes is used to show cu- suffering. Um, But in the Bible and in the scripture, usually the cup is used to show uh, the judgment of God or the wrath of God. Um, And I'm going to give you just a few examples here. Um, Isaiah fifty one seventeen. Rouse yourself, rouse yourself, arise, O Jerusalem, you, have, you who have drunk from the Lord's hand the cup of his anger, the chalice of reeling you have drained to the dregs. Jeremiah twenty five fifteen. For this the Lord of God of Israel says to me, Take this cup of the wine of wrath from my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. Um, Ezekiel 23 is another good example. You can read that. Isaiah fifty three ten, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. Grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering and bore the sins of the many. Um, and there's more. There's a, there's a lot of examples um, using the cup to demonstrate God's wrath and God's judgment on it. And this is what is about to happen. This is the whole, the whole story, right? Jesus came to drink. The cup of God's judgment in our place um, and this is a difficult concept for us to grasp, I think especially for us in the western world uh we're we're really okay with uh with jesus we're really okay with a loving god, we're really okay with a forgiving God, um, we have no problem with that. But when you start talking about God's judgment and God's wrath, we all start to to score squir- to squirm a little bit, um, and rightfully so. And rightfully so. Um, my family—we're trying to read through the Bible in a year. Uh, we're pretty far behind at the moment. I think we're like half a month behind already, but. Uh, we're in the book of Exodus, and we just read um, uh, the story of Moses and the Ten Commandments. So Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's talking to God. God, like, literally writes the Ten Commandments on a stone, gives them to Moses, and then God says, "You need to go back down because uh, your people are not behaving. Your people are not behaving well." And we probably all know the story well. But he goes back down the mountain. Um. And in the story, um, Joshua is walking down the mountain with him, and Joshua says, Hey, it sounds like sounds like there's a war going on. I hear the 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 sounds of war. And Moses said, Well, it's not the sounds of war, it's the sounds of revelry. And um we know the story. Uh the Israelites, and he was only gone 40 days. Moses was gone 40 days. In 40 days, just after God has sent them. Um, save them out of um, Egypt. He's done all these amazing signs. Um, literally, he's been leading them with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. And in 40 days, they say, hey, Moses is God. We don't know what happened to this guy. Um, and they tell Aaron, hey, build us this, um, a God. We, we need something to worship. And so they, they gather all their gold jewelry. They make the, the golden calf and they have a party. And they're worshiping um, the calf when when Moses comes down. Moses gets mad, but you know who also gets, who also gets mad? God gets pretty mad. He gets mad. Um, and and I'm reading this to my kids uh, yesterday morning. I'm thinking, man, if I was going to preach on this passage, there's a lot of expl- <laughs> explaining I, get, I have to do, but um I think kids, in a lot of ways they uh they understand it a lot easier, well, God's God, they just God, yeah, of course they should be punished um, I think it's a lot more difficult um, for us, um and some of that is because of our our sin nature, naturally, um we're at war with God, we're um constantly putting idols in front of God. Um, so I we could probably preach three sermons on the wrath of God and maybe Noel will have to after this. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping not, but, yes. <laughs> but um, I did, I did want to address it a little bit because it is a, it's a difficult um, for us to understand. Um, so I want to say a, a few brief things about it and then I want to, explain why it's important um, to what is about to happen to Jesus and the story. So first, I, I would just say that God's wrath is always justified. It's always justified. It's always controlled. Um, because we, when we tend to think of um, ourselves getting angry, it's usually not justified. We're not God. Um, and it's usually not controlled, um, and and his anger is not like our anger. So those are the three things, uh, briefly on the wrath of God. It's always justified. It's controlled, and his anger is not our anger. It's not like our anger. It's it's a perfect, um, justified anger. But when you think of it, usually when we uh, think of anger or wrath, like we go to places that it's very different than God's wrath. Okay. But more importantly, I I want you to understand that without a proper understanding of God's judgment and God's justice, we don't have a, a proper understanding of God's love. And think about it for a minute. Like, if there's no, if justice is not needed, if the wrath of God does not need to be satisfied, then what's, what is happening Like, I know I have a lot of family that love me, um, but they don't go, like, killing themselves to show me how they love me, right? They don't go, like, I love you, Michael, and jump off a cliff. And I'm like, people who do that are, you know, they're on drugs usually, right? So if Jesus is just, like, dying to show us his love, that doesn't make any sense. Jesus is dying to take on our sins, to take on the judgment of God so that we don't have to. So if you don't have a proper understanding of the wrath of God, like if you only believe in a loving God, you probably just believe in a sentimental God. If you don't also believe in a just God who gets angry over sin, you really don't fully understand the love of God. Does that make sense? Um, So, Jesus died in our place to satisfy that debt. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, So in the beginning, when I said, this is not that, Jesus is about to go through something that none of us ever have gone through, that none of us can even really fathom um, what's about to happen. He, he is about to take on the entire sins of the world. God is about to turn his back on his son. Um Jesus's last words on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What Jesus is about to go through is, man, I mean, words, words cannot express. Um, so this is why, I mean, Jesus is, this is why Jesus is in such pain and suffering right now. Um, Jonathan Edwards, um, the theologian and a great American preacher, he has a great sermon on this called Christ's Agony. But w- one of the things he, I'm going to quote him here. Um, but one of the things he says is that in the Garden of Gethsemane, God is giving Jesus just a little glimpse of what is about to come, of the cup. He's, he's placing the cup before Jesus. So this is what you're about to drink. This is what I'm asking you to do. Will you do it? And Jesus doesn't want to do it. Jesus' humanity is struggling. He doesn't want to drink the cup. Jonathan Edwards says this, the agony was caused by a vivid, bright, full, immediate view of the wrath of God. The father, as it were, set the cup down before him. He now had a near view of that furnace into which he was about to be cast. He stood and viewed the raging flames, the glowing of its heat, that he might know where he was going and what he was about to suffer. So Jonathan Edwards makes the point that if Jesus had no idea like what was about to happen, then he really... it it would be easier for him to do like once he's nailed to the cross he's he can't get out right so what jonathan edwards is saying is that god is at this point this is this is the turning point of all humanity this is jesus has to decide am i going to drink this cup do i love these people enough to drink this cup or not And um, yeah, it breaks Jesus down. He's staggered. He gets a glimpse of that cup. He's starting to fully realize what's happening. God is his father. God is going to completely forsake him. And he's going to take on the sins of the world and the judgment of the world. And Jesus has known this is going to happen, right? Intellectually, Jesus has known this is going to happen for a long time. I mean, early on, but in Matthew I have it here somewhere. Early on in his, not pretty, I mean, pretty early on in his ministry, he starts talking about this to his disciples. Um, so it's no surprise that this, like he knew this was the purpose of him coming to earth. He knew this was the purpose of his ministry. Uh, but here in the garden, he's beginning to like actually recognize what, what is about to happen to him. He takes on the sins of the world so that we don't have to. So why is Jesus, why is Jesus so um, distraught? Why is he suffering to the point of death? Because he's about to go through something no human has ever gone through. And not only is he going to go through it, something that we've never gone through, he's going to go through it without his father, without God. God is going to actually forsake him, turn his back on it. When God t- asks us to go through suffering and go through hard things, he says, I'll be there with you you know he has he's never asked us to do what he's asking Jesus to do but Jesus did that did that for us um so no, now I want to talk a little bit about um how Jesus Jesus prayer here um how he models prayer for us and how we can maybe apply this um to our lives so um the the first The first point is really it's it's okay to pour your heart out to God. So I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you. There's going to be – so you can pour your heart out to God. He wrestles, struggles with God. Um, he also submits to God's will. And then I want to wrap that all up with you need to remember uh, what Jesus did for us. So, So first, pour your heart out with God. This is, um, it's demonstrated so much throughout the scripture, but I feel like we don't do it that often. A lot of times we come to God in prayer and it's like scripted, um, even like the Lord's prayer, which is, you know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be their name, thy kingdom come. Um, a lot of times, I mean, that that's like a, basically it's like an outline that Jesus gave us. Like, this is how you should pray. It's not really a prayer, but we use it like a prayer a lot. It's an outline for how we should pray. Um, and then here, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's actually like doing that. He's actually demonstrating some of these principles that he laid out in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, but so point number one, you can pour your heart out to God. It's okay to be honest with God. Jesus, I mean, Jesus, he, he did not want to drink the cup. He didn't want to do it. Um, and God was asking him to do this. Um, and he's honest. He He's vulnerable. He pours his heart before God. He's like laying down on the ground, sweating blood, asking God, take the Take this cup away from me. Is there any way? Is there any way? Um, so he pours his heart out to God. He wrestles with God. So, I mean, you also see this demonstrated in, in other scriptures. Like um, Abraham comes to mind right before a god uh, destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. He comes and visits Abraham, and Abraham just like haggles with God about, um, you know, if there are. I think he starts with. I don't know how many. Sorry, maybe a hundred. So are there a hundred? righteous people? Don't, don't destroy the city if there's a hundred. And he gets all the way down. I think it's to seven. Don't quote me on that. Is it seven? Three? One? One righteous person? And we get down to a very low number of righteous people <laughs> in Sodom and Gomorrah. But he's haggling. He's struggling with God. It's okay to do this. Like, you can do this with God. When you're, like, in your deepest, darkest hour, and this was Jesus' deepest, darkest hour. This is when he was most vulnerable. It is okay to pour your heart out to God, and it's okay to, to struggle with him. To say, look, you promised me this. This is what I'm feeling. You can be completely honest with your emotions and with your feelings and with your wants and desires with God. Um, Moses is another example. In the story that I referenced earlier in the Ten Commandments where God gets angry at Israel, he just wants to wipe them out. He's just like, ah, I'm just gonna get rid of them. I'm done with these stiff-necked people. And Moses is like, no, you can't do that, God. You just rescued them from what, what how does this how does this reflect on you if you didn't just kill them all? You can't do it. You can struggle with God. You can advocate before God. Um I'm gonna give a few examples um, in the Psalms of pouring your heart out, but Psalms 142. Uh, verse two: I pour out my complaints before Him. I declare my trouble before Him. Psalm one forty three, one through three. Hear my prayers, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. Answer me in your faithfulness, in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant. Psalm one thirty: Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Hear my. Word. And really, just just start reading through the psalms. And It's like almost everyone's like David continually. He's pouring his heart out before the Lord, completely honest and vulnerable. Um, before God. Um, This is how we should pray, guys. We we shouldn't be afraid. Even when our desires are not in line with God, it's okay to say that. Jesus' desire wasn't in line with what God was asking him to do. He didn't want to drink that cup. He did not want to drink that cup. And he's telling God this, and it's okay to do that. But there is a caveat. There is a caveat. Um what else what what else does Jesus say in his prayer? Thy will be done, right? But thy will be done. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass me, pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he pray he, that's the first prayer and then he he talks to his disciples, who by the way, the disciples in this story, like where are they? What are they doing? This is this is Jesus's like most dire Moment, this is like the turning point of humanity. is Jesus going to go drink that cup and save us from his sins or not? and what are they doing? sleeping sleeping This is how you know the gospels are true guys if if the gospels weren't true if uh if they were just made up by these people, they wouldn't have included this this story like really they wouldn't be in there um Forgot what my original point was going to be.
0: To to
1: yes, we have to submit to the Father's will. So, um, my father, and then he goes again, he talks to his disciples. He comes by, they're sleeping, he comes back. My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. He goes away a third time saying the same thing, saying the same thing. Um, in Luke, in the, in the same story in Luke, it actually says that God sends an angel to minister to Jesus. Like this is a huge, a huge moment in the history of the world. God, God sends an angel. God knows like this is it. Is Jesus going to drink the cup or not? Um, he doesn't want to do it. He pours out his heart before God, but even as he's doing that, he's submitting if this really is your will, I'll do it. So it's okay for us to um, to bring everything before God. It's okay to be honest about how we're feeling, even when we know it's not God's will, but we also need to submit. We also need to be willing to submit um, to his lordship and to obedience before him. So pour, you can pour your heart out. You can wrestle with God. You ha, you still have to submit. Um, and with this, submitting is also, um, it's not just obedience, but it's it's trusting God. If you can trust God, it's really not that hard to obey. If your kids trust you, well... <laughs> sometimes it's hard to obey (laughs) but it's easier right if you if you have a good father and you can trust your father that he wants what's best for you um it's a lot easier to obey um and jesus had to trust god here jesus's humanity had to trust that this was going to work right am i really going to be raised from the dead is this going to work? He he has to submit. He has to trust. He has to trust God. Um, and so the final point I will just say here on Jesus modeling prayer is if you can remember when you're going through those deep, dark times, when you're grieving, when you just feel broken. If you can remember, you know Jesus was there too. And thank God he drank that cup, right? Um I'm going to end um with a quote from uh the song In Christ Alone. Um some of the old hymns, they, they have such depth and such great theology, and, and this is one of them, but I think this is the second verse, but it's, In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness in God, and helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid.
0: Here in the death of Christ, I live. Hey, hey, it's Pastor Noel again. Just wanted to say thanks so much for joining us here at the Exeter Valley Church Podcast. And don't be afraid to join us in person on a Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. at the Exeter Memorial Building.